1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our new program, which we have yet to name, but that will be coming shortly. So uh, one thing that hasn't changed is I am still so excited to be the host of this program right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. It's Ann Baldwin, and we're going to keep along the same path and talking about great information that um, everybody really can use. And I'm so excited to have Michelle Jefferson literally in the studio with me today. Michelle, good morning.
2: Good morning, and thank you so much for having me here today.
1: And if you could see Michelle, we were just talking about it. I'm wearing bright yellow and she's wearing bright pink. And you said bright pink is your favorite color.
2: Yes, pink is my favorite color, no matter which shade,
1: whether it's bright, Baby pink, you know, I love it. Pink goes well with everything. Any shade of pink. Mm -hmm. And we should tell you that um, Michelle is a crisis intervention team social worker with CMHA, which is Community Mental Health Affiliates. And they're headquartered in New Britain. Big, new, beautiful building. Have you been in that yet? It's beautiful, yes. Oh, my gosh. Actually,
2: was there right before we opened up officially. So I've been with CMHA since October 2018. So when we first moved into the building, it hadn't even been renovated fully. So it's yeah. just nice to see the change. Absolutely. It was an old bank that sat there yep. I was right there on...
1: when it just, it was still the bank. Yes. But the bank obviously was not yeah. there. But I know. know. I saw the old vault and everything. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, Michelle, thanks, first of all, for taking time to be here. I know that of you course. are very busy. Talk a little bit about your background and your training um, as a social worker.
2: Yes. So I graduated with my master's in 2018 from UConn School of Social Work. I passed my LMSW exam in July. I applied for CMHA multiple places, but CMHA was the one to hire me, thank goodness. And (laughs) I began working with CMHA in October 2018. I started off as a jail diversion forensic counselor. So that means I had male and female um, clients that were in forensics. So for example, they had an active court case, probation, or they were on parole. So our goal was to help um, minimize the chances of them getting reintegrated back in the system. So going back to prison. So we're trying to avoid them going back to prison. I ran groups and individual sessions with many women,
1: you know, and reentry right yes. out of incarceration yes. is such a huge component. Yes. And, and I do appreciate the work that you do with that. And CMHA does because, you know, you think about it, whether you were incarcerated for years and years, yep. or whether you were incarcerated for months, um, it changes you. exactly. And I can speak from a little bit of experience, not that I've been incarcerated, yep. But, yep. <laughs> but I went to visit a friend of mine mm-hmm. who was incarcerated for about six months for multiple um, DUIs. Yep. And as I went there to visit, I mean, and he shared some of the horror stories and the things that go on in there. And, you know, just the fact, the isolation, and then once you get out, and especially for him, now he's going to get out with no license. um, So that means no job, no transportation, starting all over Mm -hmm. again. So to have somebody on the other end of that, that can kind of get them started with services and and send them in the right direction, it really benefits all of us, right? Yes, exactly. So in addition to having therapy, they're allowed to have,
2: or they're provided a case manager. They're provided a vocational um, case manager to help them find a job, help them get IDs, get them reintegrated back in the community. And then after that, during COVID, I was reassigned to be a gel diversion women's clinician. So all my clients, for the most part, I kept a couple of the older ones that I had previously. Mm-hmm. They were women. So the requirements of being in that program, same same, pro, same division, but just a different program. So those women were history of incarceration. Trauma history and a history of substance use. So you brought up a great point, Anne, about the trauma that people experience during incarceration.
1: Right. I actually had the opportunity. I'm going to look at it that way mm-hmm. to go to um, York Women's uh, Facility yes. and speak to women. Um, just and and you know when they, I went in there and I spoke to them as someone who's in recovery and mm-hmm. kind of shared my story, and uh, then they gave me a tour if you want to call it, of the facilities. Mm -hmm. And my heart just broke for those people, you know? But I... I also you know, said, because a lot of them were in there for substance abuse issues, and uh, there was also a bit of denial even when they were in there, so I really got to see the faces of the people, and you could just see it on their faces about what a miserable situation it mm-hmm. is to be in, especially yeah. when you're in incarceration. Okay, so now fast forward to not recently, mm-hmm. um, you took on a new role within CMHA.
2: Yes, so I was hired as a crisis intervention team clinician. So where are you today? So today I'm actually stationed in New Britain Police Department.
1: That's great. And and when you and I talked, um, you're stationed in the police department. You're not a police officer. Nope,
2: I'm not a police officer. But I'm sure all
1: of our listeners out there have seen and heard about recently, you know, national media has been talking about this with, yes. with so many situations going on in our world with police calls and, and how they're responding. Uh, the idea of having a real certified, trained social workers, mm-hmm. in some cases, accompany them on these calls, that's what you do.
2: Yes, I love it. And I love it. I love my job. I'm working with New Britain Police Department. I'm also with Bristol Police Department, and we go out on mental health calls. So, for example, if someone calls 911 and someone's in distress, they're having either suicidal thoughts or homicidal thoughts, I, do, I go out with them and assess the person on scene.
1: So what has that been like for you? Do you feel that um, – I know that some of the officers – first of all, my personal opinion is a lot of police officers get a bad rap if we only knew what is mm-hmm. what's going on when they get out there. But um so some police officers have had some training, some de-escalation training, yes, they but, but they don't have the background that you have. So I know you've only been doing this for a short time, but it's a model that a lot of people are looking at. How do you feel when you arrive there or give us an example of how you've made a difference?
2: So you're absolutely right. And from my understanding, You know, the police officers, a lot of them do have training for de-escalation, crisis negotiation team, or CIT training. But myself, I have an educational background in mental health and real life experience with it, not just in a crisis situation. So I'm able to provide, you know, police officers usually go into a scene Of course, they know the bill rapport, but depending on the scene that they're arriving to or the call that they're arriving at, they establish dominance, right? But me, from my experience, I know mental health, you have to kind of assess the scene. I also know going in, with, especially working with people with trauma, that can be triggering to be yelled at or already see, you know, someone kind of bigger and bulkier than them. So I go in with a very calm stance, if you can tell that's my personality. So just that something as simple as building rapport going in to meet the person where they are right every person you meet is not going to have the same story you may go on a very similar call but that person
1: their situation may be different right you have to take it individually yep you have to take it. so what what do you gain by having a conversation with these people what what happens next so you kind of feel out where they're coming from or what's going on and then what
2: so I fill them out. I see what's going on. Um, some of the symptoms of depression: if they're oversleeping, undersleeping, not haven't been able to eat recently, loss of appetite or overeating. If they are extremely anxious or extremely stressed out, maybe there was a recent um, situation. Maybe there was a loss or a death in their family. Maybe for some reason they already have depression and maybe not on their medication. Maybe they're having suicidal thoughts. So I talk to the the client. And find out what's going on. They may not want to go to the hospital, but depending on what I see, the certificate that I complete, they're an emergency. They need to be evaluated in a medical setting.
1: So they go to the hospital. They go to the emergency room. Yes. Um, and then what?
2: So once they go to the emergency room, I call the emergency room and let them know I just EC'd someone to you guys, and this is what I saw. And so it's a bottom part that I fill out and I kinda advocate for like maybe this person needs a talk screen. Obviously, in 10 or 20 minutes, I can't really get their whole entire story, right? Mm -hmm. So they may have a history with that hospital. I'm not sure. But I'm going to try to advocate for them to get a tox screen, get maybe some blood work. Maybe there's some medication that needs to be altered. And maybe they need to be in a medical setting a little longer than usual. It depends. But it's once I send them to the hospital, technically... They can listen to me, but it's up to the psychiatrist on what they see.
1: Right, but you also let them know, too, that you work for community mental health affiliates. And, you know, community mental health is really based as a behavioral health organization. So Mm -hmm. knowing that those services are available, I'll speak for myself. I know sometimes, you know, when I was in the midst of my Mm -hmm. addiction and alcoholism, um, people offered me services or people talked to me about things, and I frankly don't even remember. But what I do remember is maybe the card that they they tucked in my hand, and once I sobered up, that was them. a resource for me. That was that was something that I could then turn to. You know, we always talk about this program, and since it started years and years ago, um, right here, we talk about planting the seed. Mm-hmm. You've got to plant the seed initially. Um, and when someone hopefully wants the help, they yes. then know where to get it, and yes. isn't that half the battle?
2: Exactly. So a little different than a role that we already have a mobile crisis team. The position that I'm in, once they get out of the hospital, I try to follow up with them as well. So you brought up a great point. So on the scene, I'll give them a card to reach out to me. But it depends on what stage of change they're in, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, they may not want to hear it. They may, okay, thank you. I'll take the card and not call me anytime soon or never. But at least I planted that seed. And I'm following up with them to see like, hey, are you already engaged in services? If not, you know, I provide different resources and community Um agencies to them as well.
1: Right. And and that's what I love about the nonprofit relationships here in the state of Connecticut. For example, if CMHA doesn't provide that service, mm-hmm. they work closely with another agency that does. So exactly. everybody's really come together to treat the individual based on what their needs are. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Michelle Jefferson, and she is a crisis intervention team social worker for CMHA. Um, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are too, what do the police officers think about you riding along with them?
2: I think they like it I think it you know I think it depends I think so from my understanding once they become a police officer they do FTO so they're in the field training with another experienced officer Um, so a lot of them are used to riding alone so whoever I can ride with I'm like hey can I ride with you it depends on how busy their day is but they love it from my understanding and And it it helps give them an unofficial training on mental health right
1: Right. I'm sure they learn a lot from you as well. Exactly. And, you know, when you get to a situation to see how you handle things and then to debrief uh, on the ride back to the station, you know, also let's kind of go over what worked, what didn't work. Um, Where do you think this person is going to end up? What do you think that this person needs? I mean, those are those are great resources for them. So are you physically located in the police departments pretty much full time? Yes. So I'm physically located in New Britain, P.D.,
2: Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. I'm physically located in Bristol PD, Mondays and Tuesdays.
1: Wow. So it's a full-time gig for you. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit about, do, when you go out on these calls, are there any calls that you don't go on, or do you ever feel like you're in danger? How did you prepare for, you know, showing up at a scene? Mm-hmm. Do you wear a bulletproof vest? I mean. So no, no
2: bulletproof vest. And depending on the call, the officers go to the scene first. They assess the scene for safety. And once it's clear that it's safe, I come in.
1: Okay. So so you kind of sit in the cruiser until they tell you it's all clear. Yes. Okay. can you give me an example of, of, you know, a scene that you showed up to when you felt that your services were really impactful?
2: I can say one of the very first calls that I've been on, I was on a ride along and they said, we got a mental health call. I think it was a someone called because they were worried about a friend on social media. Right. So I went out and I was like, I'm this is one of my former clients. So going in the situation, I already knew what her stressors were. I was able to tap into what we've learned and talked about during therapy and help her work on those coping skills. She actually wasn't in an emergency. It was that she needed to effectively communicate that she was stressed, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, going in, I I wouldn't have known that if I didn't already have that rapport with her.
1: Mm -hmm. Are you one of the few agencies that do this in the state? Do you think that this is a model that's going to be looked at and expanded upon?
2: Yes. Um, From my understanding, Hartford has the same, Hartford and maybe Windsor already has this program going on.
1: Do you think it's working?
2: I think it's working great. I think it's working great. I think the officers appreciate it, the community appreciate it. Because as you said before, we've been talking about this for a very long time. We need more social workers with the police.
1: And I see on social media, when this has been talked about, this is does not go to replace law enforcement by any means. I mean, some people take everything to the extreme, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we need. You know, social workers showing up to this or that. It can't replace law enforcement. It can't enforce um, what these men and women do each and every day. But what it can do is maybe enhance potential negative outcomes. And isn't that everybody's goal?
2: Yes, that's the goal. Because like I said in my position, literally, crisis intervention team, I'm not a team if I'm alone. I'm with another officer, most likely another officer, and probably their supervisor, and also the client. The client's a part of that
1: team too, Mm -hmm. right? We can't say what the client needs without their input. Exactly, because everybody's an individual. Exactly. Well, I I think it's great that you're doing that, and I know that the plan is for you to become full-time in New Britain, right? And then you're looking for someone to take the spot in in Bristol. So um, if you ever see Miss Michelle, and you're also out and about in the community, I know recently you were down at one of the... um, Open air markets, Mm -hmm. um, and and so you're out in the community as well. You're not just showing up to crisis situations, so that you can begin, like you said, that familiarity. So when you run into somebody that maybe you've even worked with, Mm -hmm. they recognize you and take them back to what they learned, right? Exactly. Well, so let's shift gears a little bit because I'm excited to you're going to share with our listeners, um, kind of one of the tools, not yet, but um, Mm -hmm. towards the end of this program, um, how you help people. Relax, but we'll, we'll have you get into the details because if anybody needs it, I do. <laughs> so we talk about you being out in the community, Michelle, and recently you um, spoke at a senior center. And yes. so why would a crisis interventionist, uh, you know, social worker be speaking at a senior center? So what is it that you talked about with these folks?
2: So one of the sergeants at New Britain, he asked me a while back to, he volunteers at the senior center and asked if I can come to talk to the seniors about isolation, social isolation and depression. So I went there, right? Like so prior to this position, for me the goal is to not wait till someone's in a crisis, right? Mm-hmm. The goal is to be proactive, not reactive. So if any point where I can be in a community to help someone or provide some type of information that I have based on my training, I will do that. So it was a great experience. I remember I met a young lady named Helen who lives in New Britain and she'll be 102 <gasps> next month. Aww. And she looked amazing. So that was definitely a gift. Uh, We did a little activity, so I had the seniors bring in a picture, one of their favorite pictures, and kind of just share and discuss who's in the picture, why is this one of their favorite pictures, and what was going on in the picture. So that's a form of engaging with other people. Storytelling is great for seniors in addition to anyone, right?
1: Right, and it also brings back memories, right? Reminiscing and that kind of thing. And I feel bad for everybody, but I've always, like you, had Mm -hmm. a special place in my heart for seniors. I know at McLean, Um, I had a special friend, Mm Bernice, who lived to be 106, Wow, 106. And I would go and I would visit her. And, you know, my biggest challenge was I tried to get her on that damn smucker's jar (laughs) since she turned 100. And they kept saying to me, well, try again next year. I'm like, what do you want from me? She's, you know, hundred and four, five. And she never did make it to the smucker's jar. But anyway, you know, all the uncertainty and all the things that are going on in our world, it stresses all of us out. But I cannot imagine you know, seniors, and I know even talking to my mom, and she's only 82, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I can see the stress in her voice because especially with COVID, it's good, it's bad, we're back to masks, we don't know CDC this and that, Mm -hmm. and here you are wondering what in the hell is going on. Exactly. So I can understand why some of these coping skills whether we're going through COVID or not, are very, very useful to all of us, but especially this audience. Mm-hmm. So, I want you to share with our listeners before we run out of time. We're gonna, you're gonna share this app, right? Yes. It, can people go to the app?
2: So, it's an app called the Calm app. It is free.
1: The Calm app, okay? Calm,
2: yep, C A L M, mm-hmm. Calm app. Mm-hmm. And you can pick different things from it in regards to like what sounds you like. Can I pick one? Of course. Okay, what are so my choices? Some of them, it will show a lock. Um, And so obviously those aren't free. Right.
1: So you got to pick one that's not, doesn't have a lock on it or Mm -hmm. they're going to ask you for money. So So, for example, the rain. Let's do the rain. Even though it's going to rain here. Okay. It's been raining too much here. Let's go with rain. Okay. Okay? All right. So turn that baby up. We're going to put it on the microphone and I'll be quiet. All right. If that's possible. Okay. Everybody listen. So close your eyes. If you feel comfortable.
2: Make sure your feet are flat on the ground so you're nice and grounded. And relax your shoulders and put your hands either to your side or on your thighs.
3: And I will guide you with your breathing. Breathe in your nose. Take a nice deep, slow breath in your nose. Hold it. Breathe out your mouth, a nice, slowly, and deep, a nice exhale. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Also, if you feel comfortable, because usually when you're anxious or tense, your muscles are tense. So when you breathe in, make a fist and put your shoulders up like this. And then when you breathe out, close your, open your fist rather. Breathe in, nice deep breath in, put those shoulders up, hold it, breathe out, relax those shoulders and open your hands. We'll do two more. Breathe in, close your fist, put the shoulders up, and breathe out. Open your fists and relax your shoulders. We'll do one more. Breathe in, hold it, breathe out, nice and slow.
1: And when you're ready, Slowly open your eyes and come back to the room. That was great. You know, I think one of the things that the sound does for me is it makes me focus on the sound because oftentimes when I try to meditate mm-hmm. or anything else without that, yes, my mind still goes in a million different directions. Yes. Right? I'm moving my office. I've got all the stuff to do. I just and so that really is is very very helpful. Yes. So again, the name of the app is? The Calm app, and that is a form of being mindful, being mindfulness.
2: So you bring up a great point. Um, you can do mindfulness anywhere. If you're driving, obviously don't close your eyes, but you, you know, maybe <laughs> that turn would off, be interesting. <laughs> maybe turn the radio off and mm-hmm. just take everything in as you're driving because, you know, as Americans, we go fast. We go from A to B to C and not really remember our trip to work or not really remember the meal that we engaged or ate. So just be mindful. There's a thing called mindful eating, taking your time, being very slow, you know, savoring the taste of your salad. For example, if you have that for lunch, mm-hmm. or if you're taking a nice walk, notice the squirrels running by. Taking the sun, taking the sounds that you
1: hear in your neighborhood as you're out for a walk. You know, my dad recently passed away, and I, I thank that. you, I envision him as a robin. Mm-hmm. So everywhere I go, and yep. even when I sit and there's quiet, I can hear the birds chirping, mm-hmm. or I can see the robin. Yep. It's so interesting. And I actually yes. talk to the robins mm-hmm. as if it's my dad. It might I sound it. a little interesting, but for me, it works. Yep. And and I also, you know, I drive from, I live in Windsor. I drive from Windsor to New Britain to my mm-hmm. office. Yes. Say, oh, that's a long way. What about traffic? That's downtime for me. Yep. That is time for me to go through and sort through my stuff that's transpired during the day, let it go. So when I walk in my door, at least I've prepared myself and let some of the stuff go, right? And that's so important. It's Uh, it's just so great what you're doing. Michelle Jefferson, again, she's a crisis intervention team social worker with CMHA. And we want to let people know too, If it might not be you, but it might be someone you know. Mm -hmm. There's so many different services that are offered by so many great nonprofits, of which Community Mental Health Affiliates is one of those. And we encourage you to go, you know, just start looking. Start looking to see what's available. If you know somebody who may be in need of something, like I said, maybe not now, but maybe someday And go to their website at cmhacc.org. That's cmhacc.org. And I've had the opportunity to meet so many folks over there, whether they're ambassadors or some of your clinicians. Mm -hmm. New programs are opening each and every day Um, with telehealth. You know, it looks like it's here to stay. And, And we've talked about this before too. And some people don't like it, but I look at it as it's providing more access, perhaps. You know, if people have the technology, you don't have to get up, get dressed and transport to a place Mm -hmm. to seek help. You can do it right there in the comfort of your home. And so I'm sure that you found that that's a tool maybe that hopefully is here to stay. At least it's been extended for now. But agreed. That was something I experienced in my
2: previous role during obviously right now, I can't do telehealth in a crisis situation. But yes, a lot of clients found that helpful because you're right. They're comfortable in their own home. So they love it. And you're so calm. Do you ever get rattled? <laughs> I do. I you do? do.
1: Oh, yes, good. I do. Now, now I don't feel so
2: good. <laughs> no, no, no. So that's why I love doing the common strategies because I do have anxiety. So I like to do a nice, Deep breathing, you know, on my way here, I like to listen to certain music. I listen to Jill Scott on my way here. I actually called my grandmother and was like, Grandma, I'm nervous. I just want your blessing. And she was like, you got it. You got this, baby. Aww. So, you know, I just love that. Um, but you brought up a great point earlier that, you know, oftentimes when we're doing meditation, our mind goes everywhere like, oh, you know, I got to do this soon and I should have did this yesterday. So those you can when that happens, we call those butterfly thoughts. Your mind is fluttering mm-hmm. away. Put your hand on either your chest or your stomach, and those are your anchor spots. For me, when that happens, if I'm meditating, I picture literally an anchor being pulled up out of the ocean. I breathe in, and then as I exhale, I picture the anchor being dropped. So like a visual helps for me. Some Mm -hmm. people picture a balloon opening and closing,
1: expanding,
2: and... You know,
1: whatever works. And that would I would also assume that you can use that at night when you're trying to sleep and quiet your mind, um, put on those sounds, put in those iPod or earpods or whatever the heck they're called, (laughs) um, or just put it on your cell phone and listen and breathe deeply. And before you know it, hopefully you'll be conked out. Yes. Yeah. Again, Michelle Jefferson, thank you so much. The website again, let's mention it one more time. C M H A C C. Dot org. I want to thank you for your time, your expertise. It was so great chatting with you this morning. And, of course, we couldn't do the show without you, our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of our show right here on WTIC News Talk 1080.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word.